is devoted Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old Your love is enduring Through the winter rain And beyond the horizon With mercy for today Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise. Well, ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will. Be
Oh man, didn't they do fantastic? Absolutely. Oh man, you just gotta, you gotta love it when you see the, the kids involved in ministry and uh, just doing awesome things, man. So grateful for all of our children's workers, amen? Goodness, so, so grateful for every one of them. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, they're so excited, aren't they? They're proud of themselves. They should be. They should be. Cool, cool. We are going to go right on into the last stage of this uh, sermon series that we've been talking about called Family Portrait. And really taking a look at, you know, what does our family look at, look like, you know, right now compared to what maybe God really desires for our families to look like. And, and each week, you know, I, I kind of did something stupid and funny. We would throw up a couple pictures of some uh, pictures of some families. So, of course, you know, I'm going to end it this week with the same way. And uh, let's just throw one up there, Mr. Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God bless both of them, uh, you know, hey, at least the guy could go out into the water and maybe wash that off. The mom is like, oh, poor thing, you know, I saw that and I was like, Joe, we got to have that, you know, that is just too funny. All right, let's check out the second one. Oh, that looks like a lot of joy. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Lots of joy going on right there. All right. Lots of joy. And now, hold on, Joe, don't put up the last one. Now, if you recall last week, uh, we were looking out, and there was a family that had there, and they all had, the, like, the mullets. Remember the mullets? You know, everybody had the mullets. And, and Joe made a point to let me know that he used to have a mullet. And I said, Joe, we need to find a photo of you. And he so happened could not find one. But I went on his Facebook page. And I was able to look back at some, and this is the best I could find, but I, 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 at least we, I, you know, I make fun of people. I'm sorry. That's my thing, right? If I love you, I make fun of you. That's just how it is. All right, so Joe, throw it up there. Let's take a look at Joe with a mullet. Yeah, yeah, Joe and his beautiful wife, Stacy. But Joe, Joe is looking like, I don't know. I mean, Joe, you got hair there. You know, it's, yeah, it was, it was starting to fade, though. It was starting to fade. But anyway, all right, cool, cool. All right, good fun, good humor. But like I said, today we're wrapping up our series called Family Portrait. And uh, we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, uh, in this section of that portion called the Beatitudes, where Jesus really gave eight different specific qualities that we should um, have within our own personal lives in order for us to be considered what? Blessed. That's what the Bible says. Um, although Jesus was talking about everybody, what we're really focusing on here is we're applying this teaching to our homes, all right? Our homes, our home life, okay? Uh, the reality is if you look around today at many homes and, and many families, chances are, you know, we wouldn't, we probably would not say, wow, they look really blessed. Okay, we would probably look more like I didn't go on. What in the world is going on there? What is happening within the family dynamic? I mean, I've, I've been questioning that myself with the culture, society that we live in and, and, and really taking a look and going, what has happened to the to the family dynamic? What, what is going on here? And that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? We've got to do this sermon series 
Especially, it's a great season to do. We're coming out of, this, out of summer, boo, going into the cold weather. You know, but, but you know, people's schedules will now, what, tighten up a little bit and, 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 and you know, get right back to the, what we call norm. And so what I really want us to do is focus on you as a family. Focus on your family. Some of you here, you're like, look, I'm single, Pastor. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a spouse yet. I don't have kids. Well, you, hopefully you will one day. You know, we're praying for you. Single people, we got any? Now look around. Maybe you can find a match. All right? Maybe you can find a match. All right, cool, cool. I'm not going to say what I was thinking on that one. All right, we're going to leave that alone. Pastor's walking outside of that box real quick, all right? So, you know, but, but, but or, or maybe you could be like, well, I've done my time. I've already uh, raised a family, and, 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 and they're, now they've got families. No, we are still part of family. We're all family. One, we're a family of God. We're a family of the body of Christ. Amen. You know, number two, you, you, you are making an impact in people's lives. And whether you realize it or not, people are watching you. They're looking at your behaviors. They're looking at how you respond to things. They're looking at your, they're really looking at your failures. Can I say that one more time? They're really looking at your failures. So let's try to, what, minimize that as much as we possibly can, all right? But what we're, what we're doing is we're asking God really to teach us, according to his word, um, on, on how our homes can be blessed. Father, help us to have these blessed homes. So you're taking notes. I want to give you the kind of the key thought that we've been looking at each week. Um, it's kind of, the, you know, the paradigm shift here about how we think about our faith and our families, and it's this way, right? We are not just, what, a Christian home, okay? We're not just a Christian home. We are, what, a Christ-centered family, all right? Now, some of you may be like, you're saying, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between a Christian home and a Christ-centered family? Well, the word Christian doesn't mean what it once meant. Um, To be Christian is almost a default decision anymore. Like if you ask somebody, what, 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 are you a Christian or not? Well, I guess I am. I mean, I believe in God. I believe, I believe he exists. I believe that, you know, Jesus is, 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 was a reality or still is a reality. And, and so really the, the word Christian has unfortunately become dumbed down. It's lost a lot of its meaning. And so it's almost as if we have to look at this and go, you know what? I'm not Christian by title, but rather I'm a Christ-centered home by relationship. I don't want to be considered, and, and people look at me and just say, oh, well, that's, that's Kevin Stanley. He's a Christian. No, I want them to see me as saying that's an individual who is Christ-centered. He wants his family, his home to be what? Christ-centered. You know, we're, we're all used to behavioral uh, shifts. You know, you, you, I give this example all the time. My two boys, if they're fighting, one does the other one wrong. I'll look at him, I'll go, go apologize to your brother. What will he do? He'll go stomping in the room. Sorry. And walk on. And while I'm standing there, I'm going, well, that was not heartfelt whatsoever. That was just an outward behavior. There was nothing inwardly changed. And that's really what we look like as Christians anymore within society. It's, we are all about the outward behavior, but what is going on within in the inside? Do we truly mean what we're saying or what we're attempting to display? So we need to be Christ-centered, which that means we need to have a change within the inside of us, within our hearts. When we allow that change to be, to, to be here, then what? It flows outwardly. So that's one of the things we're looking at. I mean, think about it this way. It is said that some 
or so of this country would say, yes, we are Christians. But are they displaying the fruits of the Spirit? Are you seeing evidence of that? Or let me, ask, let me, let me help you and, and really let's do as James says, allow the Word of God to be a mirror into our soul, right? Are you displaying the fruits of the Spirit? Are, is there evidence of you having that relational commitment to Jesus Christ in your everyday life? When things are going tough, when decisions are hard, when you're faced with circumstances that are not exciting and happy, how are you displaying Jesus? Or are you even displaying Jesus? Should be something that all of us could take a look at in our lives and go, you know what? I could do a little bit better than that. I need to do better than, where, than, than, than what I've been doing. I need to put my focus more on being that Christ-centered. Because when we are Christ-centered, what? Our values will be different. The way we raise our families, our children, they will be different. The way we use our resources, the things that are at our, our disposal will be different. Our time, our money, the way we do everything will be different. The way we treat people will simply be what? Different. Why? Because Jesus is different than this world. Why? Because Jesus becomes a part of our lives. The Bible simply tells us that the will of God for us is to be holy. Holy means simply this, to be different. We must show a difference. So if you are a Christ-centered family, here we go. It's one of our key thoughts. You will be persecuted. Fantastic. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for bringing such joy and excitement to my life this morning. <laughs> Everything in my world has been crashing this week, and now you want to tell me I'm going to be persecuted. Well, yeah, that's not such a bad thing, all right? So check this out. You know, if you're a Christ-centered family, what you need to understand is that people, watch this, will mock you, make fun of you, ridicule you. Here's a big one for me. They will leave you out of events. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you are even here and you leave me out of events because you're embarrassed. That was rough. That was, I just, bam, I nailed you, man. Think about that. And, and we think, oh, well, that's, you know, it's so horrible. I can't believe they said this about me and I can't believe they're leaving me out of this. And let, me, let me help you out here. The persecuted church is far more persecuted than we are in this country. The things that we go through are very minute compared to what they do in other countries. And I'll kind of get into that here in just a little bit. But here's what we looked at in week number one in this. We said, blessed are those who, what, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? They will be filled. So, in other words, we need to have a hunger. We need to have a thirst because people are mocking us, ridiculing us, laughing at us. So we must continue to have a drive to go after more of God. If not, then we will falter and we will fall away. Week number two, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. So if you're trying to live with a pure heart in a world that idolizes impurity, people are going to mock you. All right? Week number three, we said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be what? Called children of God. So in other words, what? If someone strikes you on the cheek, you're to turn the other cheek. How many cheeks do I have? You know what I mean? If you go the extra mile, if you forgive that which seems unforgivable, Many people don't have a category for that. They just call that what? Weird, stupid, you're a doormat. You're a pushover. What's wrong with you? 
They will what? Mock you. But Jesus said very, very clearly in the eighth and final beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, in your notes, he says this. Blessed are those who what? Who are persecuted because of my righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now here's what he said. This sounds very unusual. He's saying blessed are the when people what? Insult you. When they persecute you. When they say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. And then what? Rejoice and be glad because what? Great is your reward in heaven. Now, some of you may be okay. What exactly does this mean? Blessed are when you know, we are persecuted when we are living right. You might think, well, obviously, Kevin, you're going to be persecuted because you're a pastor, you're a preacher, you're odd. Do you like that? So here's what, you've got it coming your way, all right? The reality is you don't have to be a preacher just to be persecuted. You just simply have to be a Christ follower, all right? In fact, the very first illustration of persecution in the Bible is between Cain and Abel. It wasn't because Abel was preaching to Cain. The reason Cain was angry is because Abel was living the right way. Have you ever seen people get upset because you do the right thing? Have you ever been upset with somebody because they've done the right thing? I had somebody I know this week was very upset with me because we had to do the right thing. You know, He was doing what the right thing before God, and Cain wasn't. And so it was under his own conviction that he retaliated the way that he did bringing forth sin. Now... I don't know what, what it will be for you. Think about this. But when you are a Christ-centered family, you will, let me help you out, when you are a Christ-centered family, you will have different values. You will have different values. You will have different standards. That's a must. We cannot go on with the values and the standards that our society and culture and world has set. We must be different. The Bible is different. We must follow the example. You know, how about this? If, if you're a teenager young, you're, or you're a young adult and you think, I'm going to honor God with sexual purity. I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And all of friendships and everyone around you might be saying, well, you're an idiot. That's the stupidest thing. Let me tell you what. No, you are not. You are taking that which God has given you and you are giving value to it. Blessed are what? When people persecute you for righteousness' sake. Are you seeing this? Maybe you're going to... You're going, some of you are going to like this one here, right? Maybe you're going to the movies, certain movies that everyone else is going to, seeing what... You're, you're, you're sitting there going, Pastor, this is old school stuff here. You're, you're like preaching stuff way back. Well, yeah, maybe we need to hear that. Maybe these are things that need to come back to our attention again. But you're, 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 you're seeing, watching shows or watching movies that everyone else is watching and, and they might be just a little bit off culture. You know, let me help you out. There might be a little bit of poop in the brownie. Remember that one? Y'all remember that story? Let me, let, some of you, you weren't here. I'm going to tell you the story. Here's this teenage boy and he's sitting there and he wants to watch this, this movie on TV. And it was a, it was a bad movie. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of a bad movie. It was like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, kind of a bad movie, how we say that, we define that. 
And the mom goes, son, we're not going to watch that movie. That movie's bad. And, and, the, and, the, and the son's like, well, it's just a little bit of badness in it. Not, not all together. And she said, okay, no problem. So she goes to the kitchen. She starts making brownies. She goes outside where the dog poops, right? She takes a little bit of poop. She comes in, mixes it into the brownie mix. Bakes the brownies, comes in and says, all right, son, we're going to watch this movie. Here's some brownies for you. But let me warn you, there's just a little bit of poop in it. Well, I'm not eating that. Why not? It's just a little bit. Are you following me here? It's not good for you, is it? Might make you sick. (laughs) Kind of like that picture of that baby. Remember that baby? Ugh. But watch this. Maybe you're seeking God. You're trying to serve God and, and things aren't going right in your life. Anybody been there, right? You're trying to do the right thing and it seems like everything around you is collapsing and you're going, what the heck? God, where are you? Anybody been there? Anybody there? Thank you, I am. Why aren't, you, why aren't things going right the way they should be? And, 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 and so you recognize that things may not be going right in your life because you're doing something wrong, but let me help you out here. Things may not be going right because you're doing something right. I mean, why would the enemy even be at all concerned with somebody who's not living the right way? He won that battle. He's going after those who are what? Trying to live the right way. Why? So he can bring discouragement and drive them away from the things of God. Rather than going to the things of God. So how do we prepare our families for persecution? Like, how do we prepare them to have roots in their faith in Christ? So that when these tough struggles and the inevitable persecution, that it will come as a Christ follower. We're going to take a look at a couple things. Number one, here's what we need to teach our families. You need to expect it. We're going to teach them to expect persecution. Paul uh, said to, told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Third word, everyone. Thank you. Everyone. That means you and me. Just because you're a follower of Christ does not mean that you are exempt from persecution. The Bible says that all of those who are doing it and who wants to live that godly life in Christ Jesus will be simply what? Persecuted. If I want to follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. If you're a family that is Christ-centered in some way, you are going to be what? You're going to be different. And the culture, society, the world we live in is simply not going to understand it. And they will criticize it. You're going to be different in your unique way because you're seeking what? God. And you're hearing simply from Him. You're listening to His direction. I don't know what it's going to be for you in, in, in your family, in your Christ-centered home. But your values must be different than what this world is. Check this. It might be a dinner. You know, and, 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 and you know, they're taking little jabs at you because you're praying over your food. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever felt that uncomfortable? Have you ever been out before with a, a family that you know just doesn't, they don't go to church or people that don't go to church? Okay, I have. And you sit there and, and you're like, so what do we do? We're going to offer up the prayer or we're going to sit here and be like them. So what? You do the prayer. And yeah, you know what? It might be like, I feel the tension right now, but that's okay. You know, one of the things I challenge my boys, and I do this every single week of school, I should do it probably every day before they go to school. 
But I do it every single week that they're in school. I tell them, I challenge them. And I said, make sure you pray over your lunch. Make sure you display Christ and pray over your lunch. You say, well, pastor, what is that tradition routine? No, that's showing Jesus. That's showing a committed life. That is showing value. Let me help you out, adults. You need to be praying over your meals. Amen. You need to be praying. And even when it feels like it's not the right thing, you need to be doing it. Yeah. I'm teaching you something so elementary, right? You may be invited to certain functions and they might make fun of you because, you know, maybe you're not going to attend that. Don't attend it. I'm big on environments. If you struggle with something, but you continue to allow yourself to be in that environment, you will fail. Let me, let me say that one more time. If you struggle with something and you continually allow yourself to be involved in that environment, it's not that you might fail. You will fail. I promise you that. How about this devotion? Quiet time with God. YouVersion Bible, Bible app. I'm big on that. Do the YouVersion Bible app. It's got great devotionals. I'm big on this too. Uh, the Bible app for kids, which is made by YouVersion. It's fabulous. It's fantastic. Every night we sit down as a family and we do this. Sometimes they, I don't think they're listening one bit. It's obviously the way they're living their life. <laughs> it's not the upbringing, I promise. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, uh, it's funny. It's my kids. They're crazy. If you're not from here, you hear all kinds of stories every week. I throw something out, you know. But anyway, you know, it's, it's what are we doing that's different? Are we saying the prayer of the meal? Are we having time in the word? You know, are, are, are we being positive with our outlooks? Are we, are we falling into the temptation of talking the same conversations that everyone else is talking are we allowing ourselves to be part of the crude conversations that are defined by, oh, well, that was funny, so it's okay. And we all fall into that trap. I fall into it too. Oh, it's funny, so it's okay. You know, I used to tell, I was a youth pastor at one time, and uh, I used to tell the, the teenagers, and a couple times a year I would, I would hit on the topic of, of sexual purity. And I would always tell them, and, and it's funny because I would have, I've said this story before, but I would have some of them come back to me and be like, you've ruined my life, thank you, all right? In a joking manner, but dead serious at the same time. And, and, and I would tell them, I said, you know, you get hot and heavy in that moment, make sure you realize something, Jesus is right there sitting right beside you. That'll make a hot situation get cold real fast. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I, I had this one kid come to me one time and said, Pastor, I'm so glad that you did that. Because it's ruined everything for me. You know, I said, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. But listen, you're going to be persecuted. Jesus says it this way. In John chapter 15, he says in 18 through 20, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. I'm throwing some attitude in there, okay? If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, watch this, you do not belong to the world. But here you go. This is exciting. But I, meaning God, I've what? Chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, Jesus said. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. 
pretty tough, isn't it? If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We need to teach our families to expect it. It's going to come. All right, number two. We're going to teach them to do this. Endure it, right? We teach them to endure persecution. Paul told the Corinthians this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 12. He said, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, what do we do? We endure it. So when we're persecuted, we endure it. What do we do not? We do not whine about it. We do not cry about it. We do not gripe about it. We do not say, what, this, is, this isn't fair. Uh, my, my, my friend defriended me on Facebook because I'm a Christian, right? You know? I can't just suffer anymore. Boo-hoo. That's not what we do. That is not how we are to act. We need to be reminded respectfully that persecution, we must endure this. Like the country that we live in is incredibly light when it comes to persecution around the world. There are those who have confessed their faith in Christ and their families will absolutely disown them. There are those who of, of, of places in the world where if you confess your faith in Jesus, they will cut your tongue. They will cut your ear out. They will mark you. There are places for centuries and even today in the world, people will lose their lives for the faith of Christ. Now I'm going to tell you something that I, I, I watched uh, probably two months ago and it still stuck with me and it has bothered me ever since. I watched a video that somebody had shared on a social media site of this young girl, she's probably in her 20s, I'm guessing, who recently, in, in, in one of these um, um, foreign countries, um, who, who had recently given her life to Jesus Christ. And she was in a Bible study. And they went and they pulled her out of the Bible study and they put her into the streets. And they begin to ridicule her, mock her, make fun of her, throw stones at her. Then they dumped gasoline on her and they lit her on fire and they sat there and they watched her burn to death. But we think we have it so hard. Look where we live today. Look at the freedoms that we have in Christ today. It's almost a shame to even say that we're even, uh, even in, in any way persecuted for Christ's sake. Because we are not facing the persecutions that others are facing. Jesus said that we must, or Paul said that we must endure this. You know, endure it. When you do that, amazing things can happen. God does something inside of us when we're enduring the persecutions, when we stay faithful to Him. We are what growing spiritually roots and are becoming deeper. We're becoming more intimate when it comes to Christ. Our spiritual resolve is what strengthened. You know, one of the things I, I, I look at you know, for my life every day of getting into God's Word is, God, I want to get stronger in You. I want to be stronger in You. And you know what? There's times where you know, the persecution comes and, and, and we sit there and we're just like, I don't know if there's any more I can take. Hear the example of that young girl. I guarantee you can take a lot more. The martyrs that we see and the beginning of the church age, being killed for the cause of Christ. We think because we get left out of a party or we get some names called at us that it's the end of the world. It amazes me what God can do inside of us. The spiritual resolve, the strength 
that he is going to build with inside of us when we're able to take on that persecution and not look at it as a disadvantage, but rather it is a advantage. Because all through history, when the church is persecuted, the church has always become stronger. That there was always a sense of unity, that passion grew, that boldness, that it weeded out those who weren't really for it and, and, and strengthened those who were looking to grow in it. They become what more effective. So when our families can stay strong and stay together and stay Christ-centered, it draws you together as a family. And then when your family is being persecuted for Christ's sake, where's the sense of strength and identity for who God has called you to be? Watch this. Here we go. A couple notes. Where family identity is strong, in other words, where it is strong, when we are identifying ourselves as Christ, Christ-centered home, peer pressure is weak. Where family identity is weak, in other words, we're Christian only by name, peer pressure is strong. In other words, when there's a deep, grounded identity of spiritual strength. In other words, when we are Christ followers and we are being persecuted, that's okay. Because we understand that we have a higher calling. That we are living for something that is higher and that is lower of the, 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 in, in this world that is much lower. All right. In other words, where there is no real family identity, where there is no real mission, no real purpose, no real higher calling, then the outside pressures are going to work. They're going to work. Can you go back to those two points again, Joe? I want us to look at Go to the first one. Is that the first one? Okay, yeah. So when the family identity is strong, in other words, when we are saying we are going to be a Christ-centered home, and we are rooted within the Word of God, and we are rooted within devotional time, in prayer time together as a family, then when the pressures of this world come in, they appear so weak to us. It's not that we are weak, because why? We have equipped ourselves. You saw those little kids up here. They're part of what? God's army. They were equipped. They had the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. When, when we are doing that, we are bringing strength on. But now let's go to the next slide. But when family identity is weak, in other words, when we are even wavering in it, when you as the head of your home is even wavering in the faith, then the pressures that's going to come into your family appear to be so strong. So we need to understand, we need to endure this. We need not to allow ourselves to waver at all. We're not just a Christian family in name only, but we are what? Going to be Christ-centered homes. All right, here's the third one. We're going to teach them to do this. We're going to embrace it. You thank God that you get to suffer in some small way for the sake of Christ, who gave it all for us. We, we embrace it. In fact, Peter said, and I'm going to read this in just a moment, but give you the context of it. Peter was talking to a group of Christians that were suffering and they were being persecuted by anything that our little safe world could possibly imagine. In fact, one of these things they would do is they would take the Christians who wouldn't renounce the name of Christ, 
who wouldn't denounce him and they would put them into the center of a coliseum in front of huge crowds and then they release wild lions who would physically go in and devour them and they used that as an entertainment factor. Now here, listen to the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12-13 through 13, and then skip into verse 16. He says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the, at the fiery, fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He said, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And then verse 16 is extremely powerful. He says this, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that what? You bear that name. In other words, thank you God that in some way I get to suffer in some small way for your sake. Some of you, like right now, you, you felt like you must be doing something wrong because you've got opposition all around you. Some would even say, hey, how's, how's that God thing going for you now? Now that the family's crumbling apart. Now that, you know, you've lost the job or, 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 or the pressure has gotten so strong, I've seen you snap in the way that you've responded. Hell's breaking loose in your life. Let me remind you that Things may be going wrong, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing everything right. Going back to the scripture, blessed are what? Those who are being persecuted for what? Righteousness sake. So here's the deal. Don't even worry when your family's being persecuted. The only time you should worry is maybe when it's not being persecuted. You know? Like, you know, you're, you, you just might be a Christian family in name only. What are we about, mom and dad? Are, are we about going to the beach or going out on the boat? Are we about, you know, uh, granite countertops and or, or nice vehicles or vacations? Or are we about being a Christ-centered home? What is it that you are focused on? Do you really want to grow in this relationship with Jesus? Or do you want to continue to pacify the emotion? We pacify the emotion by coming into settings like this. So that we could just have a feel-good moment by saying, I came to church once this week. Are we allowing the Word of God to be a part of our everyday life? Are we getting in it? Are we taking time with our family to get in it? Are we demonstrating our relationship with Christ through our speech? through our actions, through our emotional outbursts, through the circles of influence, through the conversations that you're allowing yourself to be a part of. Are you demonstrating Jesus? Are you being a Christ-centered home? Or are you pacifying yourself by labeling yourself as a Christian home? Because anybody can call themselves what they want, but it takes a relationship to be Christ-centered. Now, I want you to stand with me this morning. What are we about? We're about Jesus. We are about His kingdom. We are to be about His purpose. We are to be about His glory. We are to be about making a difference in this world that we live in. The Word says this, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the, 
those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is what? The kingdom of God. You're not just going to settle to be blend, a blend-in average Christian family. God has called you to be better than that. God has called you for something more. But we are going to be what? A Christ-centered home in all we do. And we are, why? Because we are created for His glory. Amen? But how can we be persecuted if we don't even have the relationship with Jesus? How can we be humble if we don't have the relationship with Jesus? How can we be a peacemaker? How can we be going after the things of purity? if we don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I go back to the scripture almost every week, John 3, 16. This is how. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, that's whoever, everyone, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift that has ever been offered to you has been Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. If you receive nothing else in this world, you've received everything through the acceptance of Jesus Christ. So, here's my challenge this morning. You can close your eyes. Bow your head for a moment here. Here's a challenge that's being brought to you today. That before you can ever think about enduring it, embracing it, before you can think about any of that, you need to understand that you must have Jesus Christ first. He must be the Lord of your life. And if you're in this room this morning and you've not made a commitment to Jesus, to the one who died on the cross for your sins, so that you could spend eternity in His kingdom, if that's you today and you've not made that commitment to Him, I want to give you that opportunity and all I want you to do is slip up your hand. If there's anyone in this room this morning, just slip up your hand. Well, that tells me a lot. That's awesome. That means, hopefully, you're in the right relationship. But if you're not, do not let this day go without saying that prayer and committing to Him. But here we are, families. All of us. You represent a family. Even if you're single, you're still representing a family. You're representing the family you've been raised in. You're representing the family that's in the future. If your parents... Right now, you've got a family. You're representing them. If you've already raised your family, you're still part of them. I'm sorry to tell you. That was a joke. But you know what? What God is saying here today is like, look, you're going to be persecuted for my name. There's no, there's no way around that. You're going to have awkward moments. You're going to have people who are going to say things. You're going to be left out of stuff. And so much more. And he's saying, I want you to be strong. Stay strong. I, I can help you endure this. I can, you need to embrace it. You need to expect it. Don't give up. Don't give up on me. I've never given up on you. So here's what I want to do this morning. Um, you're going to sing this song. Is that how great is our God, right? Yeah. I want to invite you guys to come out of your seat. Come down here to the front with your family. And you want to sit there? That's fine too. I don't care where you're at. But... I want you to pray 
for your family this morning. For you, your family. For God to, to help you, what? To be pure? To seek after Him more? What? For, for, for God to help you in those moments when persecution will come your way. I want, this is your family portrait. What's your family look like? After this sermon series, what does your family look like? Has it changed? Has the dynamic changed? Do you want the dynamic to change? I'm going to invite you this morning. Go ahead. Bedroom. How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God no, see how great, how great is our God. The splendor of a King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide But here at this church it trembles It trembles at his voice Oh, how great is our God
Father, we pray over all of our families this morning. God, that our family portrait would be different from this day moving forward. God, that in everything, God, we will expect it, endure it, embrace the persecution that will be coming our way. Because God, we are going to be Christ-centered home. We're not going to allow culture or society to define what that means. But God, we're going to define it by your word and what you did for us on that cross. And so, Father, help us all in this room as we leave this place that we would seek after you, God, as a family, that we would go after you, God, as a family. Because, Lord, family is worth it. It is worth it. So, Father, as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. Amen. We love you. Have a great day.